This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Finding Your Bliss with host Judy Liebrach, heard every Saturday at 1 p.m. on Zoomer Radio. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Finding Your Bliss, the show that helps you find and follow your bliss. I'm Judy Liebrach, and I'm so excited today to share a beautiful initiative with you all. It's actually a surprise. So I'm not going to tell you exactly what it is yet, but Erica M. is their spokesperson, and it also involves the Ontario Caregiver Organization and their CEO, Amy Kupal, This exciting initiative has a little bit to do with caregivers and a lot to do with kindness. And we're going to be giving you the scoop right here on Finding Your Bliss in just a moment. But first, let me tell you a little bit more about our illustrious guests. Erica M. is the Chief Innovation Officer of M & Company, an award-winning digital marketing agency that helps brands connect with moms, as well as being the publisher of ymc.ca, a platform created for moms by moms. She is a trailblazer in content marketing and social media. Her collaboration with health researchers earned her a Governor General's Innovation Award nomination. She is also the co-founder of the Inside Out Initiative, a not-for-profit created to help me-powered teens to find their passion, purpose, and potential. Love that initiative. And Erica was one of the original stars, and I mean mega stars, of Much Music. And she produces a podcast called Reinvention of the VJ. Erica is an entrepreneur, interviewer, author, playwright, performer, award-winning songwriter, and sought-after speaker. So delighted to have you here today, Erica. Welcome. Thank you, Judy. And Amy Kupal is the CEO of the Ontario Caregiver Organization, OCO, a charity funded by the Ministry of Health to support Ontario's 4 million family caregivers. So just listen to that number, 4 million caregivers in this province. A visionary leader with more than 20 years of experience in the not-for-profit sector, Amy has extensive experience in knowledge translation. And I'm going to explain to you what that means. That's taking what's known from actual research and putting it into action in a meaningful and relevant way. This experience has been instrumental in the development of programs and services that directly impact the caregiver. We never really think about the caregiver. We think about the person who is being cared for. Amy works collaboratively with organizations all across the healthcare sector and beyond to improve the lives of caregivers in Ontario. And she has a deep understanding of the benefits and challenges associated with caregiving. As a caregiver for most of her life, Amy helped to support her brother who had cerebral palsy. She was also a caregiver to her mother throughout her cancer journey. And she now supports her father. Erica M., welcome back again to the program. We love having you here. And Amy Kupal, welcome to Finding Your Bliss. It's great to have you both. Thank you. Great to be here. When I was doing research for this show, I didn't realize, Amy, that there were 4 million caregivers in Ontario, just ordinary people who provide extraordinary physical and emotional support to family members and loved ones and friends. And you, Amy, are the CEO, as just mentioned, of this wonderful Ontario Caregiver Organization, which exists to support the millions of caregivers in this province. And many of us don't even know about it. Can you tell us more about this ongoing crisis for caregivers in this province at this time? You know, it's interesting that you say many of us don't really know about this because many of us don't even realize we're caregivers. Most people who step up to be a caregiver do it because of the relationship that they have with the person they're caring for. So maybe it's an aging parent, maybe it's a spouse who's had an accident or become ill, or maybe it's a child with a disability. But usually we step up and do these kinds of things because it's somebody that we care about in our family or in our neighborhood or in our community. And it's important Mm -hmm. to remember that 
Many people who are caregivers are family members, but sometimes we support neighbors and other people from our community choir or whatever the case may be. And so these can be short-term caregiving needs that people have. Maybe they've had a fall and they need support after, you know, a bone break or something like that. Or it could be a chronic or lifelong condition where there's care that needs to be provided on an ongoing basis. But caregivers are stepping up and providing, as you said, that physical and social emotional support for people, which might be different over time. And they're doing this in addition to working perhaps having a family of their own, other community commitments or other things that are important to them in their lives. So it's really an extra thing to balance and caregivers need help too. Absolutely. Your organization, the Ontario Caregiver Organization, I just want to tell our listeners this, this is not the PSWs and the nurses or the people who make a living caring for others, but this is the people who are doing it selflessly and often with no help And sometimes, well, I think every time, no compensation for sometimes I know of someone who does this 100 hours a week. So since the pandemic, you've described that more family caregivers, even more so since COVID, family members, partners, friends and neighbors are investing more hours to support someone with a physical or mental health need. This additional responsibility is having a negative impact on the health of the caregiver. Can you tell us more about that? Well, we track what the life of caregivers is looking like collectively year over year. And here's what we've Mm -hmm. seen, and people can view our annual spotlight report on OntarioCaregiver.ca. We see an increase in the number of caregivers across the province overall. Mm -hmm. Just four years ago, that number was 3.3 million, and now we're at 4 million Ontarians who are doing this, as you mentioned, on an unpaid basis. We see the amount of hours that people are spending a week are increasing. We see more and more caregivers spending a significant portion of their days and their whole week on their caregiving commitments. But we also see some really concerning rises in numbers like burnout. Last year, we saw that 58% of caregivers were telling us that they were burnt out. And that means that more than 2 million Ontarians are really struggling to continue to fulfill this commitment that they've made. And we know that three quarters of caregivers are working. So they're trying to find the balance with working and care and all of those other commitments Mm -hmm. that I mentioned. So what we hear from people constantly is, I need help. And I need it from so many different angles. How do I talk to my employer? Because maybe there's some evolution that can be made around my work relationship. How do I get extra help? How do I expand that circle of care so that other people can be involved in that caregiving relationship? And how do I ensure that my own physical or mental health isn't compromised by my caregiving responsibilities? Because I can say as someone who spent the vast majority of her life caregiving, that it can be very difficult to continue to make the decisions that you need to make to support yourself as a caregiver. Those are tough choices on a day-to-day or moment-to-moment basis, but people Mm -hmm. are looking for help about how do they sustain themselves in this caregiving role and how do they get the support that they need. Mm -hmm. You said that 58% of Ontario's 4 million caregivers say they feel burnt out. You just mentioned this is the highest rate ever recorded in Ontario. And I know this to be true because I have a few people in my inner circle who I'm very close to, who are exactly in this position. Amy, you have your own personal story, and I want to get to Erica's story in a moment. You have your own personal story of what it's been like for you to care for your brother, mother, and now your father. Can you tell us about the element of just being burnt out in this non-paying job, which, while it's a labor of love in many cases, as I know it is, is still mentally, physically, and emotionally exhausting? Yeah, well, what I can say from my three different caregiving experiences, which started from being what's called a young caregiver, is that I didn't realize I was a caregiver till I got to caregiving role number three. When I was a caregiver for my brother from as young as I can remember, and for my mom through her cancer journey, I don't think I ever heard the term caregiver once. Uh, so I just did it because of those relationships that I have with my brother with my mom. And then it was as I started to provide more and more care for my dad, who's in his 80s, that I discovered that caregiving was actually what I was doing. 
and that it was presenting some challenges for me because I'm a member of the sandwich generation. So I have young children still at home and then an aging parent who needs care. And that's actually a significant group within the caregiving community who are balancing that sandwich generation set of responsibilities. And so, you know, for me, what I started to see in times when I needed to be a more active caregiver with my dad was, wow, I'm making the choices to sacrifice the things that I need to kind of keep the gas in my tank. And I saw Mm. the progressive impact that that had on me, right? Shorter Mm -hmm, with my kids, mm -hmm. shorter with my dad, struggling to stay Mm. on top of the organization and consideration with all of those things. And for me personally, that meant reaching out and saying to some other folks, hey, I need your help. And to those people who said, let me know if you need any help, that I would actually call in those favors. But the people that you tend to call on in those situations are the ones who've already stepped up, the ones who have said more than just let me know how I can help. Maybe they've already been involved in some way, and we might talk about that a little bit more later. But those were the people who I knew, okay, you're ready, and I need to circle the wagons here and get some people on board. Because if I can't continue to play my caregiving role, a lot of other people are going to suffer. And that's the balance Mm -hmm. that we're trying to find is how do we support the caregivers through the kinds of programs and services that an organization like ours can do? And people can check that out on our website at ontariocaregiver.ca. We've got our helpline. We've got peer support. We've got great ways that people can learn and develop other skills or tools if they need them. But also, how do we engage other people into this process? Because one of the things I've experienced with caregiving, and we hear this from caregivers all the time, is it can be really isolating. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, Absolutely. Okay, I I don't have a drum. I need a drum roll. But I've been so excited to hear about this. So you're about to make a big announcement. I'm going to let Eric M. as your spokesperson make the announcement. You have a very, very exciting initiative that I think is brilliant that you are announcing right here on Finding Your Bliss on Zoomer Radio, AM 740, Erica, what's happening? I'm not telling you yet. (laughs) No way. Okay. (laughs) I'm not telling you because you're going to wonder why am I even here? So Judy, would you mind if I explain why I am part of this discussion? Most people know me as, you know, YMC or, you know, like the VJ or whatever. And here I am beside an amazing leader like Amy, who has such an important job right now as so many caregivers are being burnt out. Why me? Why am I here? Mm -hmm. And it actually happened by accident. I was at a dinner party with my sister, which is rare because of COVID. I don't see my sister very often, nor do I go to dinner parties. And we were chatting. There was like seven people around the table and I was chatting. My sister and I were chatting about my mom, my late mom who passed away three and a half years ago. Mm-hmm. And we were talking about the experience that we both had together caring for my mom. Mm-hmm. My mom had cancer for three years mm-hmm. and it was the worst time of my life for sure. Mm-hmm. Although beautiful because my sister and I were never closer and we were never closer with our mom. And that is the silver lining of, you know, the saddest story when you lose a parent. But the challenge for me was not just being sort of the main caregiver for my mom because my sister traveled a lot. And so I said to her, you do your job. I'm in Toronto. I will be sort of the main person when mommy needs me every day. It's easy for me to drive, but you're really good at, you know, making food and Mm. entertaining her. So when you come back to town, that will be your job. So we had a great relationship. The fly in the ointment happened when one of my kids started to become mentally unwell. Mm -hmm. And suddenly I was caring for an aging parent who was very sick, as well as a teenager who was slowly plummeting Mm. into depression, anxiety, suicide, the whole shebang. I was living it. One by itself is enough. Having them at the same time where I would be in the hospital with my mom, 
And then in the evenings, my teen would say, mom, take me to the hospital. I need oh. to go to the hospital. Oh, yeah. God. It was really the worst time of my life. Mm-hmm. I had to hire somebody to run my business. I could not focus on my business. <laughs> and luckily I had support from my husband, my sister, my friends. The weird thing was though, and Amy, I'm surprised that you said that you reached out to people because I didn't. <laughs> and I have since learned that most caregivers don't ask for help. We just bear down and we are obviously happy to care for the people that we love, but we don't want to bother other people with our personal problems. Many people don't even talk about their personal problems. I did. I'm comfortable sharing to my friends that I was struggling with my teens. I actually was not allowed to talk about my mom, by the way. My mom asked us, my sister and I, she didn't want people to know she had cancer. She didn't want all the sympathy. So my sister and I could only talk amongst ourselves. And so the reason why I'm bringing this up is I think that that is a very common challenge. Sitting around that table happened to be someone who knows Amy and said, you know, I know this woman, Amy, and she runs the Ontario Caregivers Organization. I want to connect you to because she is working on a project to share this information to everyone, to talk about the reality of being a caregiver. And I think it's fascinating, Amy, that you said that you didn't understand that you were a caregiver, because as I was listening to you, I was thinking, I didn't either. Until that dinner, when someone said you were a caregiver, I didn't actually think about that. I was just taking care of my mom and my kids. So I'm learning something on this call, you know, in and of itself. Mm. And so what came of that is my purpose on this planet is to spread kindness and to make life better in anyone's life, really one person at a time. And so I was invited to participate in creating a project where anyone can get involved and spread kindness. So. We all know someone, you have to know someone who is a caregiver in some way, caregiving an older parent, caregiving a child who may have special needs or is just sick right now for an extended period of time. Perhaps they have a partner who is unwell or a girlfriend, boyfriend who is unwell Mm. and you're taking time out of your life to care for them. Mm -hmm. What we want to do is create an undercover kindness project. Are you intrigued, Judy? Oh, am I ever? I just got the chills. <laughs> so I what really we want to do is invite anyone who knows a caregiver to tell us about that person. And then together, we would like to surprise them with a, let's call it a random act of kindness to make their day a little easier. And, you know, we were initially talking about like bringing a troop of people and redoing their bathroom or, you know, doing something like a really grand gesture. But then we were thinking, no, that's not the right message. Really, what any caregiver would love is someone bringing them something like a coffee or dropping flowers off or maybe making a meal, leaving it at their front door. It's the small gesture that says, I see you. I know how generous you are being with your time, with your family member, friend, fill in the blank. And I want to do that for you. Because the question is, Judy, who is caring for the caregiver? Nobody. We don't. Nobody. Our culture doesn't do that. It's not like we have, you know, it takes a village. It does take a village. Unfortunately, we live in urban centers for the most part, and we don't take care of our neighbors and our friends. We don't do these random acts of kindness. And so we are officially launching an invitation, and I'm going to let Amy talk to you more about it because it really is her baby. We're inviting people to help us surprise caregivers and tell them that we really appreciate the work and we see the work that they're doing. So fantastic. First of all, I applaud you guys because this is 
such a gaping hole in the system. And I know of if someone came to mind immediately when you said this, and I want to share with you later on in the program that is just exactly fits the bill of what you're looking for. But I just want to say, Amy, before you tell us more, that you've both described before this interview today that caregivers have told you that small acts of kindness can go a very long way in brightening their day and that caregivers really appreciate it when people do that act of kindness rather than just offer it. Don't say, what do you want? Just do the action. And as Erica said, it could be dropping off a coffee or shoveling a driveway. Small things really make a difference. Amy, can you elaborate more on that? Don't answer that just yet. We're going to go on a short commercial break. More with Amy Kupal from the Ontario Caregiver Organization and Canadian icon and entrepreneur Erica M., on their Undercover Kindness Project when we come back. Back in a moment. Finding Your Bliss is brought to you by CREATE, Canada's leading fertility centre for over 25 years. CREATE is here for anyone struggling with infertility or in need of assisted reproductive technology to have children. CREATE is about cutting-edge science from highly skilled doctors. In unprecedented times like these, CREATE is about ensuring the safety of all patients and staff. CREATE has made important changes to protect you by ensuring social distancing, wearing masks, as well as screening before entering. So what about the bundle of joy that you've been hoping would come into your family? CREATE Fertility Center is here for you. Visit createivf.com to keep up with the latest changes and learn about CREATE Fertility Center's comprehensive care for every fertility journey. Keep safe and healthy during these challenging days, remembering that life is about moments that we create together. We are back, and this is Finding Your Bliss on Zoomer Radio, AM 740, FM 96.7. And I'm here with Erica M. and Amy Kupal, and we're talking about this announcement they've just made on the show for the first time, and that is that their Undercover Kindness Project is live now. And I really have to congratulate them again on this wonderful initiative. And what's so great is it's often just the small things that can really make a huge difference in a caregiver's life. Amy, can you tell us more? Yeah, thanks. I mean, this is what we're most excited about is that these acts of kindness are accessible to everyone. And it needs to be something that feels right for you as the person who is doing the act of kindness, but also that fits with the person and their life. So if you know they're a coffee drinker, that's a great solution. If you know their plants need to be watered, that might be the offering. Uh, Making sure a pet is fed. So, you know, I would say that really thinking about what can I do? What does this person need? And how does that create a simple support in their lives? And I really appreciate what Erica said about I see you. Being a caregiver can be, as I said, really lonely. But the other thing is, sometimes it's hard for other people to relate, right, with the lived Mm -hmm. experience of caregiving. And it's hard to tell them about that because the good, the bad, and the ugly are often all involved. And Erica really indicated this in the story of the experience of her mom. And I would say my description would be very similar, right? It's all Mm. the parts, all the parts of life, you know, the most beautiful parts, Mm. the most heart-wrenching parts, sometimes the most physically or mentally grueling parts. And it's hard to lay those things bare with people. So just to be able to be recognized in some way, that may open up another conversation, it may not, right? And so I would encourage people who are thinking about what is my act of kindness to not expect anything in return. But if it does lead to more of a conversation, then that's great too. So we're inviting people to be a part of this process, to send us their stories, to visit undercoverkindness.ca and to tell us more about the person that they want to recognize in their lives and that act of kindness. Erica, you seem like maybe you wanted to add something there. I do. And I love this idea of using that random act of kindness, like walking someone's dog or whatever those useful things are as a gateway to starting a conversation. What Amy said, people don't want to burden their friends or their family with information about, you know, the challenges. They don't want to moan and groan. Sometimes they just want to suck it up and do it. Mm -hmm. And so when you're bringing that coffee or when you're taking the dog for the walk Mm -hmm. to also drop in, hey, happy to talk about it. Like if you need somewhere to vent, Mm -hmm. I'm here for you. 
So I think the random act of kindness also is being a sympathetic ear without judgment. Mm -hmm. I know that for me, when I was going through my really hard times, I would FaceTime with my girlfriends and I would bawl, I would weep and they could handle it. And I remember one day I came to my front door and there was a meal dropped off there. Uh, oh yeah, it it uh, it makes me emotional just thinking about it. Yeah. It's easy to do that, but it's the thought. I was like, wow, they're thinking about me. They understand that I'm under a lot of pressure. Yeah. You know, it was beautiful. And so this is not just buying people things and it's not even just doing things for people. Mm-hmm. It's doing something for somebody to let them know I see you. Mm, I love that. I'm thinking about you and I'm here for you. So what else can I do to help? Well, you're saying, here's a coffee. Do you want to talk? You'll find out. You'll understand. You know, I don't have time to get home to walk the dog. Well, I can do that for you. Mm. You know, those kinds of things. It's sort of reminding all of us that empathy is so important. Kindness and empathy. These days are somewhat bleak. I don't know if you're feeling it, but there's a lot of anger in the world. But it's up to each of us to create the world that we want to live in. And this is just one way of making a difference in the world, literally one person at a time. Wow. Okay. This is so fabulous. And I'm so excited to invite the listeners to get involved in this as well. What's incredible about this Undercover Kindness Project is that the Ontario Caregiver Organization will collaborate with the nominator to deliver the act. Can you paint us a picture of what this will look like? Sure. So we are looking for people to submit their stories, the story of the caregiver in their life and what they recognize about this person and also their idea for their act of kindness. And then we will invite some of those individuals to tell their story with us so that we can share that out with the world and inspire other people to also engage in an act of kindness. So certainly people can do this without uh, having to tell their story publicly but we are inviting some people to share with us so that we can share that and generate more of a conversation with people. And I think Mm -hmm. it'll be really interesting to see what ideas come forward because I get excited about the solutions that people come up with that are outside of the box that we haven't thought of already. And, you know, I've shared with Erica before that one of the things that happened for me when my mom was in palliative care is that our neighbors let me park in their driveway. And anybody who's been Aww. used to street parking in Toronto knows that this is a super <laughs> high value thing Huge. you can do for someone because we weren't yeah. particularly close with them. That's the other thing that's really interesting is this wasn't really good friends saying, oh, we're here to help you out. These were just neighbors who heard what was going on for me in my life with my mom wow. and knew that I was driving home sometimes in the middle of the night and didn't want to drive around the neighborhood wow. looking for a place to park. So they said, well, your mom's in Pali of care, please go ahead and park in our driveway. That was no lift for them, no effort, except for extending the offer. And I took them up on it because it really made a difference in my life. And that was such an amazing act of kindness that was very simple. And I would say outside of the box from other examples that we've talked about before. So whether it's about what makes sense for the people that you're identifying, what makes sense in your local community, there's lots of ways to do this. And we want to shine a light on people recognizing caregivers in their community. Erica highlighted, and I think this is so important, most people don't want to talk about, hey, this is what's going on for me. And there is some Mm -hmm. stigma about asking for help. We've heard this directly from caregivers. I don't ask for help. I don't really want to tell all the parts of my story. And so this is an opportunity to say, hey, caregivers are around us, you know, they're in our communities, they're in our families. It might even be people listening to this or hearing about this campaign, realizing as both Erica and I have, hey, I'm actually a caregiver. And then it generates a different conversation and we're hoping a different set of actions around some undercover acts of kindness. Yes. And you know what's interesting, the thing that caregivers don't understand is by asking for help, you are, in fact, giving someone a gift. Because when we 
And I know that Judy knows this because you are constantly doing kind things for people. When you do something kind for someone, you get a shot of dopamine. (laughs) It makes us literally high. It's almost like the universe gives you a gift for doing something positive for someone else. And so it's just a little reminder for people who are in those situations that if you open up the door to inviting people to help you out in some small way, you're actually opening up the door for them getting a shot of dopamine, (laughs) which is the feel good vibe. And it's It's like you're giving people the gift of kindness in a different way. Don't look at it like you're being a burden. It's an opportunity to help. We're all looking to make a difference in some small way. Thank you for saying that. It's so true. And when you hear about this, a million people come to mind for me anyway, and I'm sure for our listeners as well. So I think I have a nomination. I don't know if I'm allowed to say this now, can I? Because I have someone in mind. She is a very special person who really is an angel on this planet. And she's been caring for her husband, who has had MS, multiple sclerosis, for over 32 years now. Her name is Mary. And as you were talking about this undercover kindness project, I just went, oh my gosh, I thought of her. She does spend 100 hours a week on caring for her husband. She's been doing it, as I said, for over 32 years. And by the way, she is the type that is very grateful for the home and community care, the PSWs that she's providing. But that's more for the recipient That's for her husband, not for herself. And she's always said to me that she feels profoundly blessed with so much in her life, but that every caregiver needs a break. Simple things for her would be like a compassionate handyman lifting salt bags and other heavy objects from the basement to upstairs, shoveling the driveway in the winter, lifting the wheelchair, which is very, very heavy. It's an electric wheelchair. It's physically exhausting. And you can actually get injured, she has told me, being a caregiver. And finally, after 32 years, she needed some respite physically, emotionally. And she put her husband into a beautiful retirement home for five weeks, but it cost $7,000. And when I mentioned, what about a spa day? She said that would be like Cinderella going to the ball. She never gets a break. So does Mary sound like she would be an excellent candidate for this kind of initiative? You know, I think your story about Mary really shines a light on some of the practical realities and lived experiences of caregivers. She's been doing this for more than 30 years and Mm -hmm. taking on the range of responsibilities that have probably evolved a lot over that time. And the things that you identified in the early list of needs were really simple things, lifting the salt bags, right? But if you as a caregiver are challenged to be able to do that, having somebody just take that one little act and do that could make a really big difference. But it's also an opportunity to recognize that somebody like Mary has probably made a series of successive choices in her life that have impacted where she is now, whether that's around, you know, lifting that wheelchair many times and risking injury, whether that's around financial choices, as many caregivers do, right, to get additional care, additional resources, whatever the case may be. And she's done Mm -hmm. that not to get any recognition for herself, but to provide the best care for her husband and to give him the best quality of life that he can have. So, you know, Mm -hmm. I think your example shines such a great light on where caregivers are at. She's saying you know, the spa days like Cinderella going to the ball. But when you think about what her asks are, they're very pragmatic and they really are about how can her lived experience be improved. And that's what we hear from caregivers consistently. Help me with my day to day. Help me figure this out. Help me balance the things that make all the parts of my life work right? Whether that's work, whether that's family, whether that's finances, whether that's snow shoveling, whatever it is, lifting wheelchairs. And so I think it's such a beautiful example of exactly what we're trying to shine a light on here. So Judy, are you going to submit your story? Yes, I am. I'm going to do it right after this interview. And so what happens when people submit their story and they get selected? Like, can you paint us a picture of what happens? 
So we will, of course, carefully review all of those stories. And I can tell you, having had the great privilege of talking with so many caregivers across the province in this role, we will take care with these stories. That's number one. We want to make sure that for the people who've taken the time and effort to send them in, that we really carefully review. And we'll make sure that we connect with people because if nothing else, we want to acknowledge the effort that they've made and see if we can help connect them with resources and support if they need them. But what we're looking for those people who would be willing to tell their stories publicly as well, right? So that we can come, that we can get some video footage, and that we can turn those into stories that we can share publicly to generate other acts of kindness. So we'll follow up, we'll have a chat, we'll find out what people are comfortable with, and we'll explore options. Because at the end of the day, different people have different comfort levels. And we really want to work with What are those comfort levels and how do we make that work? And of course, Erica is going to be involved in telling some of those stories and really helping people to understand what are the unique experiences of caregivers? Because this is one of the things that I find the most fascinating. No two caregiving experiences are ever the same because each person's life is unique, both caregiver and the person that they're caring for. And luckily for me, I get to sit with the caregiver and the person who's nominated them and have a conversation and learn more about their experience. So I'm not just talking about it. I'm part of this. I'm in there. I love that, Erica. That's so cool. I actually didn't realize that. And how lucky for the caregiver to get to hang out with you and get the benefit of your kindness and experience. Amy, I know you've been a caregiver. You've talked about your personal experience and being one as Erica has talked about her experience as well. What would you most like to see happen with the Undercover Kindness Project? What I would most like to see happen is that people would have a greater level awareness of awareness of the caregivers in their communities, in their lives. And that might be, as I mentioned, realizing that they are a caregiver themselves or that there are other caregivers in their family or extended family or in their community. Because I think when we understand that certainly there are caregivers in all of our lives, then we can figure out how do we have different kinds of conversations, how do we provide different kinds of support, and how do we prepare ourselves for those caregiving situations that may very well come up for people who haven't had the opportunity to be a caregiver yet. So I would love to see awareness, and I would love to see more acts of kindness just showing up in our communities, even if people don't submit a nomination, which of course we hope they will. It's wonderful. And Erica, what is your ultimate dream for the Undercover Kindness Project that you're the spokesperson for? Well, I I completely agree with Amy. I mean, we have a plan together to really spark conversation about kindness and thinking about other people and empathy and community. So everything that Amy just said, I agree with. I love it. Can we just talk for a moment about the nuts and bolts? So people are listening. And I know the minute you hear about this, a million names come to mind, right? Like you think about so many people in your life, neighbors, friends, and family. Let's say somebody wants to nominate someone. Where do they go about doing this? How do they start? Can you just take us through the steps of what would happen from the moment they nominate someone? How would they do it? Absolutely. So people can visit the website for this project called undercoverkindness.ca and submit that nomination for the caregiver in their lives, as well as telling us what is the act of kindness that you would like to do. And that doesn't have to be anything grand. I think Erica explained this really well in terms of a simple act of kindness can go a long way. But what is the thing that you would like to do for the caregiver in your life? Once people have submitted that, we will, with care, review each of those, and we'll get in touch with people, and we'll talk about some of the different opportunities to tell their story, including having the chance to do a video to connect with Erica and to share out their story as a part of generating other people's engagement in this and the opportunity to have acts of kindness occurring across the province for all of Ontario's caregivers. That's so cool, but I have a question. So let's say in the case of Mary, who really could use the benefit of a compassionate handyman, would it be up to the nominator myself to find that compassionate handyman in her area, in her neighborhood, or 
to other people to sort of, how does that actually happen? Yeah, that's a great question. So there's two different ways that this could happen. If someone has that compassionate handyman ready, we are happy to talk about that. And if it's something where we need to collaborate on a solution, we can talk about that too. But we also want people to think about, you know, what are the things that they have the skills and ability to bring to the table, whether it's being a great cook or being able to mow the lawn. But if this is about rallying other people from the community, including that compassionate handyman, we'd love to see that happen as well. Because to your point, there may be practical things that people need where someone with a certain set of skills can help. And how do we communicate that? Like, should I go on Facebook or on Instagram and say, I'm looking for a compassion handyman or ask the actual person, is there a handyman that you normally use that you'd like us to enlist? Like, What are your suggestions for how to get it going? Yeah, that's a great question. I would say if you know someone, you could include that as a part of your submission to us. And if you don't, we can maybe use that as part of our follow-up conversation with you to talk about what's feasible. If people feel inspired to reach out to their network, that's a chance to have that exponential share of an initiative like this. You could share at the website, say, hey, this is something that I'm looking to do. You know, would you, someone that I know or out in my community, like to join me? But because this is the Undercover Kindness Project, we want to keep that element of surprise. So we don't want to be too public about it. And if we post on Facebook, that person that we're thinking about nominating might find out. So I would encourage people to embrace both the undercover and the kindness, because we really want to surprise (laughs) caregivers with this lovely act of kindness in their life. I love it. I love it. I think it's so wonderful what you guys are doing. And I just encourage everyone listening today to definitely go onto this website and just nominate someone. Just start there. Take that first step. And then it takes on a life of its own, right? The universe responds in time once you start. So I have to ask you, Erica, I've asked you this question before, but what is bliss for Erica M these days? Watching people's face light up when you do something positive. Sometimes it's big things. Sometimes it's little things. But just knowing that I've had a little bit of effect in someone's life positively, that makes my day. I love that. You really do that in all aspects of your career. And so wonderful. And that's why we love having you on this show because you're the best. And we're so happy to have you here. And Amy Kukal, what is bliss for you? I would say bliss for me is knowing that all of the important people in my life are taken care of. So that's not just my own caregiving commitments, but my kids, my husband, my community. When I feel like all of those pieces are taken care of, then I can really find that bliss. And it makes it a lot easier to do it. It's so true. I so understand what you're saying. So the best way for people to get involved with the Ontario Caregiver Organization and the Undercover Kindness Project is that we're asking Finding Your Bliss listeners to visit undercoverkindness.ca. And that website will be live before the public airing of this radio show. And participate. That's all you have to do is start at undercoverkindness.ca. Stories can be shared through text or video. Love that that you're giving that option. And what is the best way for people to contact you both and connect with you on social media? I'll begin with Erica. You can always find me at ericam.com and every social platform, (laughs) Erica M. Absolutely. That's so great. And what about you, Amy Kupal? Well, uh, I am on Twitter <laughs> at Amy Kupal. You're also welcome to email me directly, amy.kupal at ontariocaregiver.ca. And I would invite anybody who's interested to also visit the Ontario Caregiver Organization website at ontariocaregiver.ca. Awesome. And remember again, everybody, undercoverkindness.ca. I want to thank you both so much, Erica and Amy, for being on the show today. We're going to go on a short commercial break. And because this episode is all about angels like you both doing such beautiful work, after the break, we're going to hear Sarah McLaughlin's gorgeous song, In the Arms of an Angel. More with Finding Your Bliss when we come back. Back in a moment. Finding Your Bliss is brought to you by Create, Canada's leading fertility centre for over 25 years. Create is here for anyone struggling with infertility or in need of assisted reproductive technology to have children. Create is about cutting-edge science from highly skilled doctors. 
In unprecedented times like these, CREATE is about ensuring the safety of all patients and staff. CREATE has made important changes to protect you by ensuring social distancing, wearing masks, as well as screening before entering. So what about the bundle of joy that you've been hoping would come into your family? CREATE Fertility Center is here for you. Visit createivf.com to keep up with the latest changes and learn about CREATE Fertility Center's comprehensive care for every fertility journey. Keep safe and healthy during these challenging days, remembering that life is about moments that we create together. Hi, we are back, and this is Finding Your Bliss on Zoomer Radio AM 740. And we've just had a delightful conversation with Canadian icon, innovator, and entrepreneur Erica M., and the CEO of the Ontario Caregiver Organization, Amy Kupel. Their Undercover Kindness Project really rocks, and it's live now at undercoverkindness.ca. They're really doing angelic work, and so are the 4 million caregivers in this province. And so in the spirit of that, I thought it would be really cool to play in the arms of an angel, which is really called Angel, by the way, and it's written and performed by Sarah McLaughlin. Let's have a listen. Spend all your time Due to international copyright law, podcasts are unable to include music. Music can only be played on the live radio broadcast. Finding Your Bliss airs every Saturday at 1 p.m. If you'd like to hear this artist's music, you can find the link to our Finding Your Bliss SoundCloud in the episode description. That was so beautiful, Sarah McLaughlin. Wow, I could hear that song over and over again. I encourage you all to go to undercoverkindness.ca and nominate a caregiver and choose a random act of kindness that you could do for them. Each week, we spotlight a singer, songwriter, or musician on the show. If you're a singer, please reach out to us. And if you're an author, artist, yoga, meditation, or mindfulness expert, or really anyone who has found and is following their bliss, we would love to hear from you. Also, what did you love about today's show? Are there any guests or topics you would love us to feature on Finding Your Bliss? Just write to us at fyb at findingyourbliss.com. I'm also a life coach, and if I can help you in any way, let me know. You can reach out and contact me at findingyourbliss.com slash coaching. I'm also on Insight Timer, the number one free meditation app, and all you have to do is search up Judy Liebrack. And of course, you can always follow us at The Bliss Minute on Instagram and Facebook. I have to thank all of our wonderful guests uh, for being on the show today. The wonderful return guest and one of our favorite people on the show. That's Eric M. Thank you so much for being here. And Amy Kupal as well for being on our show today. Also, thank you to Meg Ruffman, Siobhan Kylie, producer and audio engineer extraordinaire, Nayura Amani, and as well, senior editor Lauren Kaminsky, video editor Sierra Brown-Rodriguez, audio producer Faz Kazi, and everyone here at Zoomer. And of course, a big thank you to our sponsor, the Create Fertility Center. We're going to close out the show today with a short meditation, and this is called Serenity and Calm. And here it is. Find a comfortable position, whether it's reclining back on your chair or lying down on a mat or on your bed, and just begin by letting everything go and gently close your eyes. I want you to take this time for yourself and just immerse yourself in all of those wonderful feelings of calm and serenity that you can bring into your life whenever you wish. In this meditation, you do nothing. You do nothing but give way to the waves of serenity, the wonderful waves of calm that come over you more and more. Just enjoying this tranquility to the full, enjoying feelings of serenity and calm that wash over you like waves on a shore. So how do we achieve this? Well, let's all start together by taking in a nice deep breath right in now. In through the nose, breathing out slowly and evenly and just letting the day go, letting everything go as you begin to feel more relaxed and serene. One more breath here. One more beautiful cleansing. Inhale right in. Breathing in through the nose. 
And on the exhale, think of lengthening the breath and letting go as you breathe out, letting it all go. I want you all to imagine a chalkboard. And I want you to picture in white the number one on the board. And when you see that number one, I want you to think the word relax. And now imagine the number two relaxing further here, letting go. Now the number three, more and more feelings of relaxation are being achieved. More and more feelings of serenity and calm. Number four, really letting go, really enjoying this little break in your day to just let it all go and let it all be. Now picture the number five on the chalkboard. And I want you to think about feelings of calm and serenity here. Everything just simmering down for you. Number six, deepening those feelings of serenity, adopting a so what, who cares attitude, all is well. Feel all of the tension in your body dissolve as you let go more and more. And now with the number seven, you find deeper levels of relaxation being achieved, deeper feelings of serenity and calm. And with the number eight, you are really getting there, more and more relaxed than ever before. Number nine, deeper feelings of relaxation being achieved, deeper feelings of serenity and deep calm. And when you see the number 10, this is full relaxation, full serenity and calm. You're floating here, relaxed, at ease, and that wonderful feeling that you achieve when you're in this state. Whenever you're ready, gently open your eyes and let's all do a nice long stretch here. Arms over your head, toes pointed, and then flexed if you wish. Stretching your arms out to your sides, extending all five fingers. And now wiggle your fingers here, wiggle your toes, yawn, <sighs> smile, and come back to the room feeling infinitely calmer and more serene. For all of us here, I'm Judy Lee Brack, reminding you all to make time in your day for serenity and calm and take one step closer to finding your bliss. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.